Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you being empowered with knowledge so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Speaking of ripoffs, coming up later, much later, I want to talk about how criminals are targeting you and what things they're doing to create the most hassle in your life. But in today's Clark Rage coming up, you would not believe the information insurers are collecting on you and me now to try to decide if they want anything to do with us or what they're going to charge us. It is truly Clark Rageous. But let's talk about something positive today on the Clark Howard Show. And that is, who does the best job overall in the service they provide to you? There's something called that I talk about probably three or four times a year, the American Customer Satisfaction Index. They dig deep on data on various industries, various types of services, and let you know who does a good job, who does a crummy job, and who does in between. Because with your hard-earned money, you want to spend it where you're actually going to be treated well and with respect. There's a guy named Christopher Elliott, who is a uh, consumer advocate, writes about consumer issues, advocates for people. And he came up with an idea that he approached the American Customer Satisfaction Index people with uh, the University of Michigan. And he said, forget categories. Who are the best companies in any industry? If you took all the companies you've rated, who would be best? And the American Customer Satisfaction Index people were like, we never thought of that, but let's see what we can do. So they dug through three years of data to come up with the honor roll of the best companies in any industry in the United States. And as you hear them, you'll hear they're all different kinds of industries, products, services, you name it. And of all the companies and all industries that they have rated and reviewed over the last three years, the number one for customer satisfaction is Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A has a fantastic score, and it is something that is so high, it's not what you'd normally expect from a restaurant, particularly a fast food chain. And Chick-fil-A has never put on airs that it's a quick serve or whatever, which is supposed to be the next category up. They know their industry. They know their category, but they do it better than any other national chain. And actually, based on this data, the best of any business in any industry. Second place, Trader Joe's. Third place, Aldi. Now, what's amazing about Trader Joe's and Aldi being second and third? They are owned by the same family. Different corporate structures, both German-owned, but they to their core at Trader Joe's and Aldi, are about service to the customer. Fourth place, Amazon. Amazon, which um, is obviously a force to be reckoned with across many different industries, plus now owning whole paycheck. In fifth place, Lexus. That's right, the car brand. 
And that's impressive that a car brand is up there with the best companies out there because cars have so many pieces to them, so many parts, so much complexity that a car brand could make it to fifth place speaks highly of Lexus. And then I'll just quickly tell you the bottom, the next five, six through ten, not the bottom five, the top, this top ten, Costco, HEB Groceries, which people in Texas are very familiar with, Toyota, which is the parent company of Lexus, public supermarkets based in Lakeland, Florida, and Wegmans Food Markets. So the food category, wow, the customer satisfaction in the food category, let's think. So we had Trader Joe's, Aldi, HEB, Publix, and Wegmans all in the top 10. So that's an industry that's going through a lot of change, but five of its players are five of the companies that do the absolute best job in the United States serving their customers. Cheryl is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Cheryl. Hello, Clark. Cheryl, you have a question for me that is so difficult for all of us. (laughs) Well, Clark, many people have so many accounts and they all require usernames and password, many of which must be changed about every three months. I'm calling asking if you have any recommendation of an easy and safe way to keep track of all those usernames and passwords that is secure. Well, what I recommend is that if you're just overwhelmed by the constant thing of having to have these weirdo usernames and weirder yet passwords, is that you look at using a password manager. And I don't know if you know what that is. You ever heard of Dashlane or LastPass? I have not. All right. So what these things do is they are sophisticated software programs that you that you get. And with them, you have them manage all your passwords for you. So that could be done on a cell phone? On a cell phone, on a laptop, on a tablet, anywhere. And the way they both work is they, based on how much you want from them, with Dashlane you pay from free on up, and depending on how many things you want and how many devices you want to protect, how many passwords you want, and they both offer a $0 thing, and then they offer family memberships and that kind of thing. Family memberships are roughly 50 bucks a year. Wonderful. Thanks, Clark. And then steps in between. So what they do, all you have to do is remember your master password with Dashlane or LastPass, and then they handle coming up with the lunatic crazy passwords that they come up with for various sites. How does that work when they're required to change every few months? So they do that for you. And, I, and if you ask me how that works, I'm not smart enough. <laughs> but I, I will tell you this. We are uh, hopefully within maybe by the end of next year, maybe 18 months away from when more and more websites are going to start moving to an alternative way of verifying your identity rather than this silly username and password system that doesn't work. Wonderful. Now, Thank but, you, Clark. 
Sure. Now, the problem with what we're going to go to is it's going to involve some kind of biometrics, which will freak a lot of people out more than the problem of the risk of passwords and usernames being hacked, where it will be based on your eyeball or uh, fingerprint or some form of biometrics, maybe facial scan, in order to determine that you are who you say you are. Toby's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Toby. Hi, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Toby. How can I serve you? So I've been reading up a little bit on um, a concept of where you bank on yourself by buying whole term life or whole life insurance policies. Yeah. Um, And I was trying to get some more information if that's a good alternative to a Roth IRA or a traditional 401k. Definitely not. Absolutely an inferior choice. Something that's been pitched in one form or another, I'd bet, for 20 years at this time, where the idea is um, there's supposed to be some miraculous magic that comes with you sinking a huge amount of money into a whole life insurance policy and then using the cash value in it as a piggy bank that you can draw against to borrow money uh, the way it's explained is that you're borrowing money from yourself. And it is an idea that I would not call this a scam at all, but as an idea, it is oversold and one that doesn't excite me. All right, let me tell you one of the things that happens. You borrow money from a life insurance policy. What does that do to the underlying value of the life insurance policy? It, it would decrease it. Exactly. And if you're going to pay the massive commissions involved with buying a whole life insurance policy where you're building a savings account and a death benefit together, you want the money you put into it to build and grow over time. But if you borrow okay. from it, you're paying an, an interest rate, a stated interest rate, against yourself essentially to the insurance company and the whole thinking of this is hey you know i'm getting free money you know i put the money into this policy and i'm using it but the reality is with whole life insurance the commissions are so gigantic that it's years and years and years before you even get to break even from what you paid in to buy the life insurance policy and build up cash value in it that overcomes what you've had to pay in the humongous commissions. So let me me tell you why the Roth and the 401k are vastly superior. Ready? Yep. Okay. So remember, with the life insurance, you're paying huge commissions, and you're doing it in order to have a tax advantage. The difference is in a Roth IRA, you don't have to pay any commissions at all unless you choose mistakenly to go to a commission place to buy one, and it is tax-free. Tax-free beats tax advantage 365 days a year, except in leap years when it's 366. Okay. Now, with a 401k... You have, depending on where you work, you have either just the traditional 401k 
or you have the Roth 401k available to you. In the case of a traditional, you're getting a tax benefit up front for being in that 401k. If you do the Roth, you're getting the ability to put after-tax money in that grows tax-free. Either of those options are, again, superior to any method of trying to build financial security with ultra-high commission life insurance. Okay. Do you think I like life insurance? (laughs) I'm leaning towards no. Actually, I really love for you to own a different kind of life insurance called term, which is really cheap to buy, and you own it specifically to provide a death benefit to your survivors in the event you were to pass away. But it's completely different being in a um, a term life insurance policy that has no savings account to it, and insurance agents hate selling term because it has virtually zero commission dollars for them. They can't even buy the tank of gas to come see you to write a term policy, which means any life insurance agent selling term really should be driving an electric car. <laughs> okay. So uh, I've got a lot of info on Clark.com about how to buy term insurance, and I'd much rather you own term life insurance and be funding a Roth IRA if you can, and definitely your 401k where you work, instead of buying some kind of crummy whole life insurance as some kind of dramatically magical way to live your life supposedly on somebody else's money instead of borrowed money. Today's Clark Rageous moment is a shocker. It's what insurance companies are gathering about you in order to be able to decide whether they want to do business with you or charge you more money if they do do business with you. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous moment. ProPublica, which is a research organization, a journalist journalist group that uh, does fully independent work has found that people in the health insurance business are now signing up with data brokers to develop deep data about you so they can decide based on your lifestyle or other things about you deep dive whether or not they want anything to do with you or what you'll have to pay. So we're moving more and more into an era where insurers, once again, are going to be able to redline for health insurance. They're going to be able to exclude people for pre-existing conditions. They're going to be able to charge more in many circumstances based on your individual factors. So what kind of things did ProPublica find out that insurers are trying to find out and track you based on? Your race, your education level, what TV shows you watch, whether you're married or not, what your net worth is, what you post on social media, how you pay your bills every month, whether you order things online, what you order online, what you eat. And to be able to take all these, what they call lifestyle factors, and be able to develop a risk score on you individually not based on, with pre-existing condition, what illnesses you already have, have been diagnosed with, and what you've been treated for, but instead 
to use a deep dive on, let's say, what clothing you buy, what size those clothes are, and then decide, hmm, this is somebody who might end up with diabetes, so we don't want to insure them. Now, the idea of insurance historically has been that you spread the risk among many people. Health insurers are looking forward to an era where they will be able to slice and dice each individual and create a risk score for each of us and decide to give us the heave-ho or charge us much more or much less based on their formulas, their algorithms. And I say that is Clark Rages. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. When you have a question for me, go to clark.com ask. You can ask your question many different ways, including if you wish, check the box that you would like to go on the air with me. The Federal Trade Commission, which is the federal agency that is supposed to uh, alert you to scams and deal with the scamsters, has put out a new report on where people in America are most likely to be scammed. And they've converted the data to based on population. So the state and the country that now has more people reporting scams or ripoffs than any other is the state of Florida. And that's followed closely by the state of Georgia, then Nevada, Delaware, and Tennessee. Now, you're least likely to be scammed in America in the Dakotas. North Dakota and South Dakota have the least number of people getting scammed. What's that about? Followed by Iowa. Uh, finishing out the top five, Vermont and Nebraska. So think about that. You got North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, all touching each other. Maybe, maybe they're more educated about ways that people get ripped off than anywhere else. So when people are approached by someone who is taking advantage of them in many different ways, what are the odds that someone once approached by somebody will end up losing money to them. One in four. One in four people end up giving money to the scamster, the crook, or a person behaving illegally. And this is something that I found especially interesting. Who actually loses money is the opposite of what you might imagine. The stereotype is that the elderly have a bullseye target on them and are the most likely to end up being scammed. But by almost a ratio of three to one, people in their 20s are more likely to be scammed out of money than people in their 70s. The difference is that if somebody does successfully mark someone in their 70s because they've got more money than people in their 20s, the loss will be much larger. When people have been hit by identity theft, one in four times the criminal successfully is able to open credit as if they are you. And what a mess that is. And that's why 
it's so important that if you have not done so yet, you take advantage of the fact that credit freezes are free and put your credit into the deep freeze. When you need credit, it's very easy to thaw your credit. Remember, it's free to set up, free to thaw. You're going to find that the initial setup with the three major credit bureaus will take you less than 15 minutes to set up credit freeze. And then to thaw it will usually take you under 90 seconds per bureau if you do need access to your credit and need to thaw your credit out. Um, As far as the largest scams out there, they are what are known as imposter scams, which is where somebody pretends to be from the IRS, pretends to be from Social Security, pretends to be from your bank or your credit card company or wherever. Know that this is ever-present as the number one way criminals will get in your wallet is by pretending to be with someone you do business with or with some level of government or law enforcement. Now, identity theft comes in third. And number two, and I'm not going to give you the whole list because we have the whole list at Clark.com, but number two are debt collectors who fail to follow the law or harass people into paying a debt that is not theirs or is not owed. You have special rights when you're dealing with a debt collector, and I lay those out for you step-by-step at Clark.com. Be very careful before you ever give one penny of your money ever to a debt collector, even if it's money you legitimately owe. There's a process and procedure that I want you to follow before you give any money at all to a debt collector. But more often than not, when you're harassed by a debt collector, it is not your debt they're harassing you about, or it's not even a real debt at all. They're just trying to get money out of you. Be aware of that. Be wary. Stand up for yourself. Shannon's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Shannon. Hi, Clark. How are you, Shannon? Good. How are you? Good. How can I serve you, Shannon? So I have a property that um, I'm planning to rent out soon, and I'm looking for ways that my tenant can pay me that doesn't involve mailing or hand-delivering a check to me. Okay, and the beauty of that is that you don't want to spend all your time trying to go after your tenant for a rent that is late. And so there's a service that I've recommended for a while called Cozy that I've never had a complaint about. Have you heard of Cozy? I have not. It's for small landlords, and it's free for both sides, both the landlord and the tenant. There are a lot of other services that uh, cost usually um, the landlord money, but this one is free. And they make it free because the goal is to then sell you as a landlord other services, you know, that you know who Cozy is and that you don't then have to buy anything else from them, but they're there. And so collecting rent for you is just a loss leader for them. And the website, I should tell you, is an unusual website, Cozy, C-O-Z-Y, dot C-O. Okay. And you can see how that works. Now, a number of, how many rental properties do you have? Just one. A lot of people who have 
just a rental property use Venmo. But okay. I don't I don't really recommend using Venmo for that purpose. I like Venmo being just for friends paying friends, reimbursing friends, you know, when they split a an Uber or they split a meal or whatever and they reimburse each other that way. I'm not thrilled with using it for a commercial transaction. But with just a okay. rental property, if the tenant is one you're really comfortable with, you could just set up Venmo. Do you have a Venmo account already? I do, yes. So that would be an easy alternative. Okay. And I hope you love being a landlord. You know, in my leases, I give the tenant a discount if their rent is paid prior to the first day of the month. Okay. And I do that because the people tend to understand that if they're renting from a professional management company and apartment complex that the rent's due and the rent is due and there's no excuse but when it's an individual renting a place people feel like it's not as important to pay the rent (laughs) and uh, that's why I've done this thing over the years where I give the tenants a discount in return for the rent always being paid prior to the first day of the month okay and the discount I give is fifty dollars a month And they just know that they pay $50 less if it's before the first of the month. Right. And that's in the lease. I had a tenant who always paid the rent late. And I was not just not paying it by the first, but would pay it uh, like 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th. And I'd say, come on, just pay me. You'll save $100 a month if you just pay me 10 days earlier. And I could never (laughs) get her to do it. So it was like I, I had pushed through a rent increase. But fortunately, she always paid the rent, but I was always getting more money than I really wanted to get. I wanted the certainty that I was getting paid on time every month, and she just couldn't get that done. Jay joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jay. Hey, Clark. What a pleasure to speak with you. I've listened for many years. Well, it's great to have you here. You're feeling some frustration right now. Yeah, a really odd experience I had uh, yesterday as I was uh, researching hotel possibilities for my wife and me near an airport. Um, And in the process, I was comparing how many points I'd have to use for certain hotels and on another side, how much I'd have to pay in cash for the same places. So I was going back and forth. I tend to over-research these things, but I was going back and forth in these websites uh, and then I was shocked in going back to the uh, aggregator for about the third time to find that the price for the particular chain hotel I was looking at at the moment had suddenly increased uh, at that site and all the partner sites by over 60% from around $93 to $152. Wow. This was for, and my very first thought was, well, it was wow. And then it was, did I put in different dates? Nope, exactly the same dates. In fact, I, I took screenshots and have uh, had them up in front of me right now. What's exactly your favorite dates, kind of exactly cookie? The same hotel, everything exactly the same. Wait, I got a question for um, you, Jay. What's your ahead. favorite kind of cookie? Oh, a chocolate chip. Yeah, that's not what they were serving you. <laughs> you know about how so, they're using cookies to track you. Yeah. Yeah, so what yeah, I what well, I recommend let me just add here, I was I'm sorry to interrupt. I was really suspicious, so I, I re-entered the aggregator site, but in the pri- private browsing mode, 
just seconds later. I mean, literally within 30 seconds. And then the prices were back down to uh, the normal price. Exactly. Exactly. Those are the cookies. You are. You don't realize what an incredible service you're doing for your fellow listener right now. Because the travel business has become so sophisticated, as have a lot of online sellers, at using uh, tracking cookies against you. And if they see you're shopping around and that you're focusing on a particular place, they figure they gotcha. And they're going to give you a higher price than they would give a UFO looking at that same place, which you... And isn't, validated isn't that rotten. <laughs> yeah, it, it's terrible, isn't it? And you validated that by doing the private browsing session, and then the original sixty dollar lower price for that hotel pops right back up. And, and and what's shocking again is not only was there a difference, but it was huge. Right, but they figure you're loyal to that, not even that brand of hotel, that particular location. So their because yield I management at it a number of times. Their, yeah, so their yield management figures, this is the only hotel Jay's interested in, so we're going to be able to squeeze an extra 60 bucks out of him. But I'm trying to imagine a scenario where someone would be, quote-unquote, fooled by that because they would, in my case at least, have already seen the, quote-unquote, regular price a couple of times. Uh, so... How would, you know, why would someone then suddenly see a price 60% higher and think, okay, I'll pay it? All right, let me explain that. There's a logic to it. So if you're brand loyal or you're trying to get points in a particular hotel program or whatever, and they start running the price up on you, then it feels like like there's a shortage. It's like when there's been a storm or whatever and the gas stations start running up the price, and the more they run up the price of a gallon of gas, more people line up down the block. That's yeah. the psychology they're playing on. So, Or when they say only two left at this price, something like that. Exactly. Creating a false sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. So, so um, I can't even begin to tell you how many people you've just had something click in their brains from bringing this up. And I, I'm grateful to you for doing so. And the as they call it in Chrome private browsing session, I don't know what they call mm-hmm. it in Firefox or... I can't even remember because I, I go on all three and uh, I just, you know, I know where to go to, to get into private browsing. But like you say, there's, there's different names and I don't remember what they are for the three browsers. So the other allegation um, but, is that a lot of travel sellers uh, charge people who are on Apple products searching a higher price than they do for people who are on Microsoft computers or android phones because i'm on an apple computer apple customers generally are not considered to be as price sensitive as people who use windows computers or android phones so it'd be interesting to run an experiment like that as well but the pricing games are serious and the more you can search around and use different techniques like private browsing the more opportunity you may have to save money on all different kinds of purchases. Caroline's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Caroline. I love your show. I love you. And I tell everyone I have my own personal guru all the time. Well, you are so sweet. Thank you. I understand you're interested in a device I adore called a Chromebook. 
Yes, I, I finally decided to take the plunge, but it's very confusing. There's so many manufacturers, so many specs. What I just want to know which one. I need the cheapest one just for my bank account. Um, so I want to know which one is the best that you recommend. If you're going to use it as your uh, banking computer, you can buy one for $100 and you'll be fine. The cheapest Where? ones you can buy. Um, well, they sell for $100 regularly if you look at Walmart, um, if you look at, um, I don't know if you have a Fry's Electronics where you live in the United States. Uh, no. You can see them on Groupon. Let me pull okay. up Groupon right now. All right, so today Groupon has a Samsung for $99, an Acer Chromebook for $99, They've got a Samsung for ninety nine. Oh, that's two Samsungs for ninety nine. They've got a so Dell for one oh nine. A Hewlett Packard one. for ninety nine. Sorry. Just the cheapest hundred dollar. Whatever I find is going to be fine then. Yeah, because for banking, you don't need a lot of memory to it. All you're doing is maybe accessing your bank account, doing bill pay and with your my bank. Bills. Yeah. So uh, the cheapest Chromebook out there, a scratch and dent, a refurb. Any of them okay. will do just fine. And okay. so Groupon's got so many of them right now that if you just wanted it to be easy and have it just come straight to your house, go to Groupon.com and look at what they've got. Because Groupon, you okay. know, which used to have, uh, you know, get this deal on a massage, get this deal on yoga, right. whatever. Their big thing now is selling consumer goods. And one of the things they sell tons of are these Chromebooks. And okay. you can just get one right there. Or, again, if you're not comfortable buying from them, Walmart routinely has an entry-level Chromebook at about $100. Okay. And so any of them will do. And then you'll have such good protection anytime you're dealing with your bank. And the criminals are going to hate you because you're making it tough for them to get at your money. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.